What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for your time and your company for today's episode. Before we uh, get stuck uh, into the episode, a quick reminder that these, this podcast series runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that uh, broadcasts from London but is incredibly fortunate enough to be hosting shows from across the world, including um, San Jose. California, including Denver, Colorado, including uh, Niigata, Japan, uh, London, of course, Melbourne, Australia, lots and lots of exciting places. So um, it's our absolute pleasure to bring these shows uh, to you and we very much hope you'll be inclined to check uh, us out, check out the radio station at www.blueingreenradio.com. You can also at that website find the complete back catalogue of our podcast episodes Today's episode of the Blue in Green podcast sees us with the incredible opportunity to spend time with uh, what can only be described as the hardest working woman in show business. We are, of course, discussing uh, Denver, Colorado's very own Leah Concholdi, the baritone saxophonist with just the most amazing resume, which includes being a part of uh, the funk and Afrobeat collective Atomga, the electro soul outfit Tenertal. She's the director of marketing and PR at New Conscious. She is the director of PR and communications at Color Red Records. There is, of course, Champagne House Media as well. I'm thrilled that we managed to feature Leah on an episode of these podcasts. I've really wanted to for quite a long time. We've kind of, we, we do talk a lot uh, on bloomgreenradio.com and as well as uh, a, a large chunk of our funk and soul shows on the station. We talk about Denver's just exceptional uh, music scene at the moment, which is just, it's thriving and there are so many incredible uh, funk and soul acts, Color Red Records are a huge uh, part of that. The amount of music that they release from local artists is mind blowing. So it's great to discuss um, uh, Denver scene, to, to discuss uh, Leah's own musical uh, endeavors from, again, the wonderful Atomga to the incredible Tenertal as well. So it's just been brilliant. And also to, to kind of be able to discuss that dichotomy of uh, being a musician, but also having uh hat in the, the 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 pr and marketing realm as well so it's it's a great dichotomy of uh of uh challenges that she faces so it's awesome to kind of get her insight into all of that i'm i'm mildly in awe of of everything that she's managed to achieve again so i'm very thrilled that, that we were able to feature leah on one of these episodes uh, regular listeners of these podcasts will know we feature two songs uh, per episode our guest in this case of course Leah will pick out our episode's closing number but I have the luxury of picking out opening one 
and uh, I've gone for a really cool, a really great track uh, to kind of highlight her her dexterity and skill, shall we say. So I'm going to pick a track officially by Atomga. It is called Lucidity, Atomga's debut through Color Red Records, but it's a track that was subsequently remixed by Tenertle, uh, which of course is Leah's other group, and we discussed the, the kind of buzz that she had, obviously, from having one of her songs remixed <laughs> by uh, another one of her bands, which is, which is very, very cool. So I'm going to play that. Uh, for you guys right now this is the Tenerto remix of Atomga's Lucidity available through Color Red Records uh, thank you again for tuning in to the episode please feel free to visit us at www.blueandgreenradio.com you'll find our 24 hours a day 7 days a week radio stream we'd love for you to check it out and also you can find the complete past uh, back catalogue of episodes that we're able to present as part of the Blue and Green podcast thanks again gang very much hope you enjoyed the episode without further ado here is uh, Tonga
going? I'm really great. I'm so happy to talk to you. I've wanted to talk to you for the longest time. So this is quite exciting that we're finally getting the time to, to hang out. Yeah, thanks so much for hitting me up and having me. I'm excited to be on. It's uh, well, that's very kind. Thank you very much. So it's it's just gone like 4 p.m. in Denver, Colorado, right? Yep, it's 4:09 p.m. here. How? I mean, what's what's life like at the moment in Denver, Colorado? Where are you guys with your your quarantines? Are you are you re- relaxed? Are you in a relaxed state? Are you able to go out? Are you whereabouts are you? You know, I feel like Colorado's a perfect happy medium right now. And I'm saying that with cautious optimism. (laughs) You know, we've gotten to the point, like the past couple weeks, we've got to reinstate live music with... Wow. Yeah, up to like 50 people or there's certain square footage guidelines to abide by. But that's really exciting, except there is this... Funny little detail that they don't allow horn players to perform right now. Yeah, because <laughs> people think that you can transmit coronavirus or germs through a horn. Um, my friend oh my Gabe. Gosh. Yeah, my friend Gabe, who's actually a frequent Color Red collaborator and um, really esteemed trumpet player here in Denver, he actually made like a demonstration video of himself playing the trumpet as loud as he can with his loudest note trying to blow a candle out to demonstrate that it's sound that comes through the bell not necessarily air that's really interesting oh i'm so sorry to hear um have you had to whip the triangle out as a as a substitute (laughs) man maybe (laughs) i mean maybe i'd play the iwi and and see if there's a weird clause in that but it is a wind (laughs) instrument and they'd be like yeah nice try because it's not made of (laughs) is there like a deadline set that they're working towards to the point where you think you'd be able to play again or um you know i know that there's been lots of like forms for people to give feedback to the city so i know quite a few folks have expressed like this is kind of funny and this is kind of limiting with like the acts and talent pool that you can book. Um, and, you know, I have a bunch of things to keep me busy otherwise, but I miss playing for people. And I think it's a total bummer for, you know, my fellow horn players who like their entire yeah. living is playing music. And it's like, oh, hey, some of you could go back out there, but not all of you. How long has it been since you actually got to perform? Um, The last time I performed would be, I think, it was the weekend before we had lockdown here. So I think it, I have my calendar up right here. It was the 6th and the 7th. Tenurtle did a weekend in the mountains, a couple of mountain towns in Colorado. Mm. We did Buena Vista and we did Steamboat Springs. And then the weekend, the week after, I saw Thundercat on the 12th. Oh, wow. And that was the last time I saw live music. Kind of, as far as live music as we know it. I throw shows every weekend, stream shows. Amazing. Like, so with this, with the last few months, have, would it have been a, I mean, I, I, you're always busy. I totally get that. But like, what, would it have been a particularly busy, uh, period over the last few months? Have, you know, had the quarantine not had, not had to be enforced? Yeah. I mean, you know, all my projects had shows lined up on the books. Um, so it's been weird getting used to weekends, 
um, in quarantine, you know, the first couple months mm. while everything was locked down. It was kind of refreshing. It's horrible because I remember thinking like amidst color red and new conscious and playing shows of my own. I'm like, what I'd give for a full weekend off. And <laughs> there are many full weekends off. Um, but, you know, it's cool, like doing this new conscious streams that we could that we could get into later but you know having that consistently be saturdays from 7 to 11 um the past month and a half or so that's been really nice to be like hey i have plans and consistency again even you know mm. it's just on a one engagement level i'll take it has have you managed to I mean, obviously, you've mentioned <clears throat> with new conscious and and other things. Have, have you managed to stay productive during that time, or did a lot of things have to kind of come crashing to a halt? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, more productive than ever as far as Brilliant. new conscious and color red are concerned. You know, um, both entities are in lucky positions where they've been ca- able to pivot pretty easily and adapt with the times. You know, color reds and all digital platform like we do throw shows and events but we've just been able to up the volume of our digital releases think of some really cool experiences that we have for fans of all interests that are coming down the pipeline so we're excited to launch some stuff in the next couple of months and then new conscious pivoting from being a social club around the arts doing art gallery exhibits and live performances is now doing the artist streams and certain shows we are opening up to limited capacity with seating with masks required with everything within square footage compliance so that's been really cool and we just started that this past weekend after getting everything in order wow i mean the internet has been the the absolute hero really this year (laughs) over the past few months the the fact that everything has to kind of come to a halt but you can still find ways around it you know the way color red have and uh, new conscious have had to adapt to live streaming uh, as a way to to continue i mean it's it's incredible the way i suppose the music industry has has had to adapt and there's been a lot of places through live streaming and bands kind of performing together through zoom uh and things like that it's incredible how music was able to very kind of quickly adapt to to the situation over the last few months right yeah absolutely and i think that's just a testament of artists and the creative spirit in general you know if you're a true artist and you're too creative you're going to find a way to make it happen and to create art and to put that out there, you know, whether it means like, oh crap, I've got to buy an interface and learn how to record at home for some of these collaboration videos or, you know, whether it's, okay, we are planning this on this platform, but now, you know, let's roll with the punches and kind of pivot to do some other things. Um, So it's been really cool just, you know, kind of seeing the tenacity and grit and, you know, perseverance, as cliche as that sounds through this whole worldwide pandemic. Mm. No, and I think it sounds cliche. It's 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 absolutely kind of what had to happen. I, I, like I said, it's just the way that 
It, I, I, I kind of think that the music industry reacted very quickly. And I thought Color Red, you know, as a, as a great example, um, you know, the, the frequency of their releases already. I mean, you, you must have such a back catalogue <laughs> of like, I mean, I can't even think how far in advance you probably have releases planned. Like, does it go months? Ideally, in a perfect world. Wow. That, we, we do. We, you know, we're at a point where we have, you know, a pretty expansive catalog and, you know, lots of full albums that we've been ingesting to the catalog to just, you know, throw out to our network and, you know, have available to all of our collaborators, everyone from radio stations, media to, you know, really upping the ante on the remix series that we do. So, you know, Mm. one thing we do with all of our releases is we put stems up in the catalog for different producers around the world to kind of poke around and see what they might want to remix. So I think that's a really cool element. Like I've always, I remember being like in high school and fight like at a best buy and stumbling upon like a Verve remix CD where people were oh, right. Yeah. On the Verve record label. Like I didn't even know what a remix was. I didn't even really know what <laughs> electronic music was. And then, you know, years go by later in life, go through music school and stuff. I'm like, Oh wow. This is kind of what we're doing here at color red or, Oh, you know, it took me a while to gain an appreciation for electronic music being a classically trained saxophonist, which is kind of a conundrum within itself. But (laughs) I think it's cool as hell. Yeah, totally. Well, firstly, I think I I, I have a couple of those Verve remix compilations as well, which is funny enough, but like it's, Okay, so I feel like we've been talking for like 10 minutes, but I still feel like I don't know where to start with you because, <laughs> and, and that, I mean that in the absolute best way possible. Like, I, just to kind of run down your your kind of resume, you've mentioned, we've we've already touched on so many stuff, so much stuff from the Tomga and Turtle to uh, New Conscious to Color Red to, to, to the saxophone in general. That's probably the best place to start, actually. Like how, how when you said you're a classically trained saxophonist, like why? What led you to the to the saxophone in the first place? Okay, so it is a very direct story. I remember uh, my dad playing Steely Dan when I was growing up, when I was like four years old, and he couldn't handle me listening to all these Disney sing along tapes and stuff <laughs> that kids listen to. And their song Deacon Blues has the line, learn to work the saxophone. And I was like, what's that? Um, So that was kind of awareness of the word saxophone. And then fast forward a little couple years after that, and uh, the song San Bondreas Swing by the Louis Bellson Big Band was playing in the car. And I remember Don Menza playing this ripping saxophone solo and literally asking my parents like what the hell is that (laughs) I learned that it's a saxophone and so I had kind of been hell-bent on whenever I could be in band or someday like I play an instrument that's what I'm going to do and then during fifth grade choir auditions I was sick they didn't let the little fifth graders redo their auditions so that was fine by me I got to play saxophone so how, how old did you say you were when you started fifth grade Wow. So, and, and I mean, where did the kind of uh, the fascination with kind of uh, fella music and funk music and soul music, how did it kind of grow from there? 
<laughs> that was um, that was definitely in college. So, you know, growing up in the suburbs of Denver and then going to a pretty traditional music school in college, like you play saxophone or any instrument really, and you're kind of on the trajectory of like you could play jazz or you could play classical music. And like I had listened to Soul Live and Grey Boy All Stars, like some of that first wave of funk revival, but hadn't really put that together in a professional context. So when I was a junior in college, I believe, like I had a colleague of mine in the sax studio was playing with um, kind of a jam reggae band at the time. And they had some songs that kind of called for baritone saxophone, which I had began playing in that year. It was just like, I'm, I'm over the alto. Give me the big one. <laughs> um, and just like unearthing these Bela Kuti albums in our music library. And I think one of the, yeah, one of the songs that this band in particular played was a Fela song and realizing that, you know, it wasn't quite jazz and there's these hypnotic grooves. And then you couple in going down the rabbit hole with, you know, him really creating a movement in protest music and, you know, using the music as a vehicle for his voice to be heard and to stifle oppression. Like just everything rolled into one is kind of how I got into Afrobeat in that particular style. Were there any other names that, that you gravitated towards from there? Um, I mean, man, I literally at one point, and I'm so mad because I lost this in a move once. I literally had a map of the world with Afrobeat bands from all oh, different no. countries. Like, I yeah, I get pretty intense over this stuff. Like, it's fun to research because if you think about different styles of music, you know, you could look all over the world, everywhere from the U.S. to Canada to Madrid. And there's some to Brazil. There's bands who are rooted in Fela's message and his music. And I can't really think of too many other styles of music like that. So I've just kind of been, you know, especially in present times, like I've kind of on the back burner, but, you know, making a point to kind of revisit like, okay, there's Bixica 70 in Brazil and there's, you know, Antibal is kind of pioneering the movement back in the United States. Mm. Um, and there's Alma Afrobeat band and, you know, there's London Afrobeat orchestra and there's hard proof in Austin, uh, Chicago Afrobeat project. Like, you know, you could just go on and on and kind yeah, of yeah. like, okay, like what's the influence of Fela's music, but then kind of dissecting how everyone puts their own stylistic flavor on it and then kind of diving deep into like, okay, what like social oppression and justice issues, you know, are happening in those specific regions. So I think it's like beyond the music itself, um, just kind of, you know, proverbially fighting the power. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, even just to stay on the the fella uh, kind of influence for a moment, there's the Color Red release from last year, the Head for the Hills, uh, who are a bluegrass band. But then, you know, they sought inspiration from Fella's message as well. And uh, they hooked up with Mike for their single, right? 
Yeah, and that was that was a really really cool release because the premise behind that and the name was taken from the fact that Fela used to have women DJ after his band set like all through the evening. So kind of their message like outside of wanting to release an Afrobeat driven hypnotic track was to you know kind of draw light um and awareness to you know women whose voices aren't always heard or represented you know this they were DJing back in the 70s at the Calicuta Republic at the shrine yeah it was amazing that again a a band from a a bluegrass uh kind of background sort of like I say, sort inspiration in that context, which is yeah, it's really exciting, and it's a testament to the message that you're you're saying. It's that sort of spread across the whole world, which is yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I really really like that track, and they did. It's yeah, one of the, my favorite, and you know, super unique releases in our catalog. Yeah, and they've been a, one, a wonderful selection, and one of them we should uh, we could like is uh, Atomga uh, and Lucidity, which was the first release through Color Red. Obviously, you guys have been around uh, so for some years before that, two thousand and eleven, right? So, yeah. how soon um, did this? You know, you're you're kind of you're now onto baritone saxophone. You're uh, you're discovering all this kind of this wonderful type of music, and how soon does Atomga play a part in that? Yeah, well, so Atomgo is actually formula- formulated through, um, you know, a couple of our guys or a part of this organization called Friends of Red Rocks. That's like a monthly cleanup at Red Rocks Amphitheater. And they saw a gap that and realized that there wasn't really anyone in Denver who was playing this kind of music and, you know, kind of geeking out on Fela Records. Around that time, um, I had just moved from northern Colorado back to Denver and was looking for projects and collaborations to play in. So the band just kind of trickled in with a bunch of long series of connections over a long series of time. And it was cool because, you know, we started off just kind of workshopping some Fela songs and some Femi Kuti songs and some modern Afrobeat songs just to really make sure everyone was dialed into the style and, you know, knows how to play those hypnotic grooves and polyrhythms. Um, And we spent a few months doing that before we even got into writing our own original music because Afrobeat was, um, you know, it was a lot of everyone, a lot of us had studied it, but it was the first time we had really come together to form a band exclusively playing the music. From 2011, you've had uh, the Black Belt album, you've had the Atomga EP, and the uh, Arga is right. Is that how you pronounce it? A G A Arga. So, and then uh, they those the, those releases were independent ones, and th- and then it went straight into uh, the the color red situation. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. How were those kind of releases like? When you look back at, I mean, it's it's nearly ten years as a as a as a faction now. That's 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 incredible, right? You must be very proud of of what Atomga's achieved so far. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like it keeps growing and getting, you know, we get tighter and tighter. And kind of my favorite thing that's just been a natural evolution without us, you know, we realize it, but we don't talk about it too much is as we've gotten comfortable with the Afrobeat style of music. um, It's allowed us to kind of put our own touches on the music. Um, especially individually, like our bass player, Sam, he comes from 
kind of a prog and metal background. So, you know, some of his lines are, you know, a little busier in a good way than, you know, traditional Afrobeat lines. Um, Casey, our guitarist, is super, super studied in funk music and all music for that matter. But, you know, you'll definitely hear some of his pre-funk influence coming out. Um, Sometimes they write really nutty, almost classical, finger-bending horn parts. And I'm like, oh, there's that classical saxophone degree. I guess I use it sometimes. (laughs) It's cool to just like how that's like organically coalesce. Like we're never going into a session or a rehearsal or a writing process. Like let's play kind of a proggy Afrobeat song or let's make a big shout chorus, big band-esque line. Like it just kind of happens and then it almost takes, you know, we'll go to the studio and we're like, oh, that's not straight Afrobeat, but that's, you know, has a little bit of that. And that's kind of fun. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really incredible uh, kind of sound that you guys have sort of managed to sort of stumble on and create together. I think when we initially had uh, contact through Color Red, no, and I remember emailing you saying, "Are you? You're not a Tonga, Leah, are you?" And you were like, "Yeah, that's me." I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's incredible!" Yeah, it's like it's honestly really awkward for me sometimes. Like Bridget's world, <laughs> like people are like, "Wait, I know a saxophone player that has your same name." I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> like left and right brain, like it's a- <laughs> off. Like I work." And I'm in public mode and like sweatpants and t-shirts. And then I wear shit on stage. So, you know, still working on bridging the worlds together. Yeah. Um, so I guess back to the color red kind of connections with the Tomgo, we've got uh, Lucidity. We have the Tenertal remix of Lucidity. And we have Zenpocalypse that are the current uh, releases that you guys have, have put out. Are you guys hopefully, fingers crossed, working towards an album? Yeah, well, so we're kind of, you know, the digital single format works super well for us being such a big band and then being in the middle of a pandemic as a big band. So Mm. from those initial sessions, we have one more single that we need to escalate to production and finish up. um, But that should probably be out in the coming months. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this one's a fun one. This one's powerful and it has like my favorite gang vocals for lack of better terms ever. I don't want to give okay. it away, but when, when you hear it, it'll be like, <laughs> oh, <guys." laughs> I, I very much look forward to it. Um, I remember vividly hearing uh, Lucidity for the first time. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll still say it, that final kind of two minutes, the whole song is so, is is one of the most infectious things I've heard in just a really long time. But that last kind of two minutes of the song is just, oh, it's just glorious. And I've just, just honestly been obsessed and hankering for more uh, from you guys from, you know, since then. Zenpocalypse is a wonderful follow-up. And Tenertal is a great kind of mishmash of, of both of the two worlds, really, isn't it? So from the mm-hmm. kind of Afrobeat-inspired Atomga to the more electro and more eclectic kind of sounds of Tenertal. I mean, the idea of remixing one with the other, how does was that must come with great excitement or is it a nervous thing to kind of approach? Oh, let me tell you this. One, I was very proud of this, uh, for lack of better terms, musically slutty moment of my life. <laughs> My band to remix my other band. Um, I know. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so I mean, that was the approach. So Tnurdle is has our producer, Trent Campbell. He's our band leader. He composes the music. And, you know, when it's a remix situation, that's all him. Like, I, I mean, I wrote the horn lines there in there, but that was all his doing and chopping up, chopping it up, you know, gave him the stem, said, have at it, put your signature stamp on it. And I really, really, really like what he did with it. Like, I think mm. it fits into the Afrobeat vibe, but puts it in a club setting. And it's really cool because we actually perform that live as Tenertle too. So, Amazing. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, wait, which? how does the song go? What form am I playing now? <laughs> yeah, they'd have to remix you live on stage because you're playing the other version. <laughs> right. That's so cool. So we're, we're kind of like Tenerto is like, uh, how how long has that been a group that you've you've been a part of now? So the group's been going since 2014, I believe. And it started out as a duo between Trent and our drummer Kyle, they're like they're musical homies and buddies since middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started out, and then you know they added an MC Ray, who's amazing, who you've probably heard on some of the tracks. Yeah, um, and then wanted to fill it out with some horns. So my first gig with them was I think 2015 at a Colorado music festival called the Rise Music Festival. I just showed up. I meet Trent. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, I'm playing horns in your band, I guess. <laughs> um, and it's really cool because, like, it's evolved into, like, this eight-piece monster, which is, you know, unprecedented for electronic group. Mm. And, you know, really gives people something to watch and lots of move- moving parts. Like, when we're at full force, we have a three-piece horn section. We have an MC. We have electronic cellist. Um yeah we have a guitarist who freaking rips it up and it's awesome that's yeah gosh it's incredible was it difficult juggling a group with that many members oh yeah but (laughs) i'm I'm a season pro in this game i was in i had three years of a tomga under my belt so i'm just like eh. (laughs) denver's kind of scene in general which you've you've obviously yourself you've been immersed in for for years now I mean what is it what is it like to kind of be a part of that I mean it's it's just seems to grow in prominence uh as as years kind of go by um and color red again are, are really a great flag waver for obviously Denver Colorado's uh funk and soul scene so I mean what is it like to be a part of that and to sort of see bands around you including yourselves and your own um your own groups kind of just seem to grow uh, as as time passes. Yeah, well, it's really, really cool. Like, you know, growing up in Colorado and it kind of being a cow town type city or not, you know, it would not be in, you know, a top tier destination growing up. I, Ludacris has a song called Area Codes and as much I've joked about like, hey, Colorado wasn't even cool enough for him to shout out 303. <laughs> so it's been like a lot and really fast. And, you know, I think a lot of it is attributed to kind of the ele- the advent of the electro soul scene happening like in the early 2010s, kind of like the end of when I was in college and uh, the beginning of being out, you know, Pretty Lights and that whole crew, um, Big Gigantic and, you know, having dom be like one of the first people who incorporated a live horn into his production and then just seeing that explode and kind of tying that into what you were saying about color red 
as you know, years go by, fast forward, and Eddie living here, you know, made the astute observation that Denver is such a hotbed for music, and we'd be having all these like world class collaborations and super jams that would be like a tribute to this, a tribute to that, and like essentially cover shows, which is great. Mm. But you have all these badass musicians in one place and they don't have an outlet to like get together and, you know, lay down original music or workshop ideas or just get together and lay some shit to tape. So Mm. that's pretty much the premise of how color red was born. How long have you been affiliated with the label? Mm, Almost two years. I think it was August, 2018 and we're at the end of June, 2020. And how, how did you guys come to, to 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 meet basically i mean i had known everyone involved in the label like uh the original four partners in different capacities um for years before but i actually directly got drawn in um by josh fairman of analog sun sun squabby and you know um one of our producers and engineers um analog sun was actually how i got into pr to begin with and you know they're looking to expand their pr and communications and social media and copywriting marketing everything under the sun arm and josh was like oh we need to hire leah for this and i'm just like sweet and it was perfect because two weeks before i had just like completely had it with my old job and pretty much on a whim like quit that agency crap never going back again And I was just like, okay, cool, we'll ride this out. And then two weeks later, like, uh, Josh, Eddie, Zach, Mike, the whole crew hit me up like, hey, you want to do PR for Color Red? I'm like, yes. So it was perfect. Like, how do you find, though, um, because I've spoken to a a lot of artists who don't often like having to wear both hats in terms of you have the creative side and they want to sit in uh, their their space and make music. And then it's a case of, okay, you now have to go and sell your music. And that's the bit they hate. That's the, <laughs> that's the bit that they really don't like. And I totally get it. I totally understand. But you, you're so embedded in both sides of, of that kind of, of, of the business, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you, is it's is clearly something you you enjoy? Well, to be perfectly honest, I am a weirdo and I am type A as hell. So I guess that gives me the upper hand and I have the personality to do things. But I mean, I've always been into writing and like storytelling and talking about stuff that I like. I've been told on more than one occasion I talk too much. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, and so between that and then having to like fend for my own groups and like oh like we can't hire someone to do this and like I guess we've got to play show so I'll learn how to book them and oh we need to like write about this if we want press coverage and like I don't know I'm pretty persistent in all elements of my life and I live by the belief that the worst anyone can tell you is no so it's a pretty fitting other side of a professional hat I guess 
it's no, well, yeah, that's it's a great outlook. It's and it's a, it is a great skill to be able to have, isn't it? Because I imagine there's quite a lot of artists that don't have that and are unable to kind of put themselves out there as a as a result. Do you kind of find sort of having to cater music towards, say, a, a Spotify generation? Uh, where you're initially coming from a, a, a background of, say, vinyl junkies, and uh, that's certainly the culture with sort of Afrobeat and funk music. Do you find like the modern music industry easy to navigate? Do you find it difficult to kind of cater for that kind of this kind of generation? Um, you know, it can be, and sometimes, like, I think one of the advantages I have to being like a hybrid musician slash publicist is like. I'm really good at having conversations like musician to musician and like, okay, I'm pulling out exactly what I need. And I know how to like frame questions to get a compelling story out of things and, you know, not be like total publicist about it. Like, Hey dude, let's just have a conversation. But, um, and then sometimes it's a, you know, double-edged sword where I'm like oh my god pull the musicology brain out of this like make it sound (laughs) interesting to someone who like has no idea what musical form is what musical terminology is and like yeah just like a kid sitting on Spotify because I think and I've had this conversation with so many artists lately is Spotify and the way the streaming platforms are set up they're more vibe based like It's rare that, you know, you're really looking people up unless it's like your favorite artist or, you know, that so-and-so has a release this date. Like you're pinged about new releases based on algorithms and your release radars and, you know, curated Discover Weeklies. And it makes like all those daily, daily playlists, daily vibes. I don't even, bad that I don't know what they're called right now, but (laughs) like, And this is like the stuff that's not so fun for me, but like being that weirdo type A person that I am, like figuring out like, okay, like how do we make this track and this artist algorithmic goodness to just appear on people's feeds, you know, as much as I'd like to be like, this track is good, listen to it. There we go. (laughs) Wow. So you you do get very deep and involved in in those processes as well yeah and like I mean playlists like that's it's such a funny question like people naturally come to the table more often than not and are like so can you get us on playlist and I will not do like a straight up playlist campaign made like a couple mistakes and like thinking that that's a thing and you know I'm very much when it comes to curated playlists is people like what they like. The rest you've got to do like on, you know, do your own footing, establishing your presence, getting, you know, getting the pertinent information on the page and positioning yourself to kind of hit those algorithmic playlists and, you know, pop on release radars. Um, You know, I have like a handful of people in my network, like, hey, dude, I think you'll like this track or like, Hey, I think you'll like this one in particular. You and I have had several exchanges about yeah. this. Um, but yeah, as far as like playlisting as a whole, like there's so many scammy services out there, and people are like, look at all the plays that I got. I'm like, they're not genuine listeners. Yeah. 
your your following numbers aren't going up like you know if you want vanity metrics like that's cool that's your money you're wasting but it's a weird world it is isn't it it's it it is very it's very difficult i i kind of um i suppose when it comes down to sort of uh music in this kind of modern era it does come down to like a, a number you know in terms of what's your spotify plays or how many plays did x amount of did x track get on soundcloud or anything like that and it's unfortunate that that becomes the value of of your popularity of your success of your uh of your you know of your career or whatever it, it whatever that bar is it's it's down to that play number and it's it's a very difficult thing to kind of try and see it from any other perspective sometimes because that's how success can often be judged now yeah absolutely and then you know on the plus side of things like it is cool like how much data is available through you know audience insights are kind of predicting like okay we know x amount of plays gets x amount of dollars so if you're you know really trying to look at business trajectories and even like tour insights um you know i know lots of managers and artist teams are being smart like okay like you're getting lots of play in this region so therefore let's route this way and you know i do appreciate all the insights that could be found there and i think it is it's a gold mine like numbers don't lie do you kind of have your PR hat on sometimes in like a music making uh, process? Are you able to kind of say, no, the art has to come first and I'm going to, well, let's do this song. Uh, it's 13 minutes long and no one's going to buy it. But like, you know, do you have that kind of where you say, no, no, we need to make this song more marketable from a PR perspective. Do you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. do you say, no, put that all the way aside. What we uh, want to make has to come first. Not with the Tomga. Tomga, you know, Afrobeats, not going to be a top 40 hit and i think like you know everyone in our group does you know is very dedicated to the style and the authenticity and the realness of music first and foremost like there's been a couple of times like you know we more we think of stuff more about like a live audience and show flow um type perspective but like never once in a tomga have i been like oh this is a little weird. Like, I don't think people like it. I mean, you know, we're not huge on Spotify, but, you know, I think that band and that style of music, you know, authenticity beats anything else. However, there's been, you know, a couple of songs like Trent's brought into the table with Tenurtle. And I've been like, oh, this is a real Beach House vibe. I could see so-and-so premiering it. And I'm like, did I just say that? maybe if i'm not like directly composing the music it's easier for me to think right but it's still an invaluable insight though isn't it because i suppose you do need someone to put that again back to hats but (laughs) to put that hat on and say well this is what we could do with this track you're already thinking beyond the recording of it right yeah for sure and it's like i mean my taste is so eclectic and you know i have like a pretty eclectic database and people who come to mind like throughout all styles of music. So, you know, pretty much anything that hits my desk or our catalog, I'm like, okay, I know where to put this or who's going to dig it or, you know, what might not be so into it and so on and so forth. But Mm. yeah, 
Um, how does so this this kind of level of PR? Uh, how is this expanded into uh, Champagne House as uh, owner and publicist for for that company? Oh well, it's funny because right now, uh, pretty much all the artists on like that roster of mine aren't really touring, so you know, mm. not really operating that like at full speed. But that's kind of you know, more of like my freelance arm where, you know, if something doesn't make sense to bring onto the label or the color red platform, um, you know, I'll just kind of deal with things on my own there. Um, I've worked with a vocal band on there. That's been cool. I've worked with a couple of pretty high profile jazz artists on there. And then that also helps me, you know, venture out of the music space a little bit so you know whether it's like freelance PR on events or art galleries or you know just like a little one-off campaign that might not fit into what Color Red's doing or the artists that we bring on then you know at least I have that to offer um, you know if I'm super into the project and I think that it would be a good fit for us to work together. Mm. You you did the uh, the Burrows right as well. That was their um, their most recent Eric. Was it the Eric Krasno single that they had? Yeah. So that they recorded a couple of singles um, with Color Red last summer that we released, and they had a lot of success. Um, and then they independently released that pair of tracks that I did some PR for them on mm. and helped them with that campaign. And it's super cool. Like those guys are so creative. They work hard. Um, they really, really have their sound and their business dialed in. Um, and yeah, like I was, they got on a couple of Spotify playlists and oh, brilliant. got some good coverage out of them. So that was a lot of fun. Wonderful. Well, and then there's obviously we, we've spoken a, a bit about it already, but then there's a, the work for new conscious as well. How did that initially uh, come to pass yeah so the owner of new conscious kurt redeker him and i have been friends for a very long time not quite a decade but nearing wow. on it um and you know it's always been an art gallery and social club around the arts based in denver and we just opened the newest location this past um early yeah early february yeah we had a month of shows and then lockdown happens um but yeah he was just looking for someone really solid in marketing and pr to work with and we had been talking about working together for years and it just kind of happened naturally i can't think of anyone else that i've ever i've certainly never asked this question and i can't think of anyone that i've ever thought to ask this question to but like where do you kind of, do you have like a, a vision that you've sort of set your, for yourself in say, I don't know, five years time or anything like that? Because it's, you're like the one person I've spoken to, where I feel like you would <laughs> in a really great way. <laughs> oh man. And I, I don't want to disappoint this question. Um, but, you know, as nondescript as it sounds, just like, I'm lucky to be in a position to be working with entities and platforms that I wholeheartedly believe in. And, you know, just seeing how far that Color Red and New Conscious and, you know, my own musical projects can grow. Nothing's really survival mode right now. It's, you know, just 
how far can we take this? You know, what other ideas can we present? And it's kind of sky's the limit with both those. Um, and as well as like my own musical projects, like, you know, Atomga's not planning on going on world tour and becoming rich and famous, but you know, I think visibility and eclecticness in our sound, I think there's lots of surfaces we've scratched, but lots of surfaces that are unscathed that, you know, we could continue presenting ourselves in front of. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to not have like a hard five-year plan or, you know, reduce it to quantitative numbers, but, you know, who We'll see what happens in five years. I'm excited for all these things. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I think you, you kind of, you, you set the bar incredibly high for, I think, yourself and those around you with with your accomplishments and uh, your continual accomplishments and achievements. And uh, I kind of look at, like, I, 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 I'm in awe of what your five-year, just where, you, where you'll be, whether it's a, a structured plan or not. Uh, I think it would be very exciting to see uh, how things would continue to, or how your style would continue to rise. It's probably the best way to say it because it's oh. uh, it's exciting to see it so far. Um, as uh, I think I mentioned, uh, we we kind of end every uh, uh, episode with a closing song, which our uh, our guest gets the luxury of picking. So, may I, may I ask, do you have a moment to uh, to pick something out beforehand? Um, absolutely. I could definitely. Ooh. I don't know if I have my final answer right now, but we could always always roll with um, Lucidity. You like that track, and I still want to put it out there. So, yeah, let's do Lucidity by Atomga. 